Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 1, 1 through 6, called The Lord is Salvation. Now sometimes we think that God is some distant deity who you know, can't really relate with us, but God, when he wants you to give, give you an idea of how Israel made him feel, he says, if you want to get the picture, think of a child that you reared in your household your whole life. You fed them, you sacrificed for them, you made sure they had a roof over their head, Christmas presents, you took care of their owies, you know, you took care of uh, every situation, you were there for them day in and day out. You reared and nourished and nourished and reared, and some of you know the pain of this firsthand. And all of a sudden, that child turns on you and acts like they don't know you. They don't remember a thing that you did for them. They don't remember anything of the sacrifice and the love and the ongoing care that you gave for them. And God says, if you want to have an idea of what my situation with my people is like, that's what you should compare it to. Ungrateful children. Children who rebel and revolt against everything that their parents stand for. That's the first image. And here, one writer says, we must see God's broken heart. This is, listen, a cry from heaven. This is not a detached deity saying, oh, too bad, I guess I'll just zap some more people, get them off the earth. This is a God saying, I love these people. I reared them as my very children. And it is a cry from heaven. And I believe that that's one thing that we need to see as we look at the entire Bible. See, change comes because we understand that God is a God who is magnificent and yet loving. Change must start with conviction of sin. And until you know who God is, I don't think you can truly understand what conviction is about. You must see God's heart really and truly before you can change. How many of you can say that the most profound moments maybe that you've ever had in a Bible study or in studying the scriptures on your own is that moment when you saw something about God? Oftentimes people come into a Bible study and they think, I've gotta find some application for my life. Look, I'm all into application. The Bible's full of it. But I'll tell you this. The most profound moments in my Christian journey have not been the nuggets of application as much as I appreciate those, but they have been times when I have gotten a glimpse of the majesty of this one who is the God of Israel. When I realize how holy he is, how majestic he is, and how he has condescended to love me, and the times that I've turned my back on him, and in some way wounded him. I mean, you all know Ephesians that says we can even grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, those are the things. When I know who my father is and I know what pleases him and I desire to love him, that's what conviction can do. One writer says, conviction of sin is the lance of the divine surgeon, piercing the infected soul, releasing the pressure and letting the infection pour out. It is not, conviction is not about uncertainty. It is not about paralyzing guilt feelings. It is not about wondering, am I saved? Am I lost? Am I saved? Am I lost? Conviction is about a child understanding the heart of his father. 
understanding his love, who he is, and saying, God, I want to conform myself to who you are because I'm so blown away that you made me, that you love me, and that you sent your son for me. Are you with me? So that is the heart of God here. Conviction helps us to see what God sees, to feel what God feels. If you want to understand what conviction of sin is, that's what it is. It is not God condemning you. It is God saying, would you see with my eyes? Would you feel what I feel? Would you love what I love? Will you hate what I hate? Will you stay close enough to me to understand what my spirit wants to do in the earth and how much I want you to yield to me to produce the fruit that will actually benefit yourself, your family, and others? Here God wants to give us a clear picture so that we can get it. And so he uses a second image. He says, verse 3, an ox knows its owner, a donkey its master's manger. If you have a new King James, it says its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. One commentator says, God's children make animals look intelligent. Look at the verse. An ox knows its owner. Now, uh, those of you who have studied the animal kingdom know an ox probably is not on the higher echelon of animals that we think have some smarts. We think of dolphins and maybe other creatures, right? How about a donkey? Is a donkey high on the list of what we would think are the, are the creme de la creme of the animal world? No. But a donkey, an ox knows its owner. A donkey, its master's manger or crib. I have a dog at home. My dog knows who feeds him. My dog knows where he sleeps, and lots of, lots of times, he knows this is his crib, if you know what I'm saying. He knows where his home is. Now, the master's crib is actually a manger, and it speaks of provision. It speaks of the place where the donkey eats. But Israel does not know. They don't know that I took them through the wilderness journey so that they would understand that man shall not live on bread alone but by every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. I tried to get them to see that what they really need is me. Jesus shows up using the same imagery of the uh, manna coming down from heaven and says, I am the bread of God. Don't, don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food that what? Endures to eternal life. That's what I want to give you. My food is to do the will of my Father. But the world is so caught up in the externals that even when the living Holy One came on the earth, they followed him for a meal. They followed him for the wrong reasons. And he cleared out the crowd. And he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And everybody gets caught up in that. Oh, that means it's literally the body and blood. No. He's saying, I'm speaking to you of spiritual things. The manna was a picture of the provision of God that day by day, man must live on God's spiritual provisions. That's why it would spoil if you tried to take too much, right? God was teaching them, you must live daily on my provisions. You must come to my manger and live. When I sent my son, he, they laid him in a manger. Why? Because I want to feed you. He is the living bread that spoke words of life. And my people, they don't get it. They don't get it. And today we make the connection perhaps to 
sometimes, you know, you, you see the desire of people and it's uh, more entertainment than it is substance. I was talking to a brother who's since moved to Kansas and he was part of a, a church that was kind of Pentecostal and he said, Michael, when I was growing up that most of the way we judge the Sunday morning is how much the preacher sweat, how much he dabbed his forehead with the uh, little towelette and how much we whooped it up on a Sunday morning. And woo-wee, we're church, we had church today. What'd he say? I don't know. But woo-wee, amen and amen and hallelujah, right? But he said, I'd walk out of there, and i think to myself, what did I learn today? What did I learn about God? What did I learn about the word of God? Nothing, but man, we whooped it up. He said, I came to your church, and I have to tell you, you didn't blow me away with your presentation. Thanks a lot. You know, you weren't dabbing your forehead, going back and forth, rolling in the aisle. But when I walked out of there, I was like, I'm full. And I got a couple of daggers sticking in my back. Praise the Lord. You say that? This belongs to you, right? But you know it's good, right? Because you know it has a cleansing. And he said, man, we started to learn that that's, we don't measure things by how much um, hype and pomp and circumstance is going on. We measure things by what? Substance. Now, if we get passion with substance, that's what we want, right? We want both. The Word of God uh, should be delivered with passion, but there's got to be some substance to it because that's what we need because God's saying you're going to live on that substance. Amen? So that's the way, that's the new eyes. That's what the seer wants us to see. But he says, my people don't understand. Alas, verse four. If you have an NIV or ESV, it says, ah. I want you to see that God is not railing on his people. He's not saying, I I told you, I told you, I told you. But there's a brokenness of heart in the prophet. Alas, ah, the the Hebrew word is a lament. If you look it up, it'll, it'll give you a definition of ah, alas, Oh, whoa, it's a lament expressing usually dissatisfaction and pain. Ah, sinful nation. People weighed down or laden with iniquity. There's your issue, sin. Offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. Here's the issue. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Judah is identified with words, sinful nation, weighed down. Uh, Are you weighed down with sin, as in Israel's case? When you are, what does it cause you to do? It causes you to turn away, doesn't it? Uh, The fact that Isaiah called God the Holy One of Israel is intriguing. This is Isaiah's favorite title for God. He uses it. 25 times in Isaiah is used only six times elsewhere in the Old Testament. Jonathan Edwards explains on the Holy One of Israel. He says, our obligation to love, honor, and obey any being is in proportion to his loveliness, honor, and authority. Therefore, sin against God being a violation of infinite obligations must be a crime infinitely heinous and so deserving infinite punishment. If there is any evil in sin against God, it is an infinite evil. 
basically what Edwards is saying is that when you talk about doing something to a being, you measure the level of the offense by the holiness or the authority or power or position of that being. And when you look at offense against God, that's why it's of infinite proportion. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. We're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth. Since last year, our listener partnerships have grown. Last Christmas, we let our listeners know it cost over $150,000 a year to fund this ministry. That includes radio airtime, podcasting, promotion, equipment, supplies, and one part-time staff member. At this time last year, we were excited to report listener support had reached 25% of our overall budget. The rest is funded by Living Truth Christian Fellowship Church funds. Now that has grown to 31%, and because of that, we have added Walk in Truth to three more radio stations, where more people have had a chance to hear these teachings. We could still use your help, too. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this, and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for finances, but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do, and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in, with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you. If that's you, would you please consider giving an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation? Please give a one-time gift on behalf of you, your family, or business. You can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click Donate. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. It is an infinite evil. Basically, what Edwards is saying is that when you talk about doing something to a being, you measure the level of the offense by the holiness or the authority or power or position of that being. And when you look at offense against God, that's why it's of infinite proportions. And so God looks at Israel and he says, man, I have wanted you to come to the fountainhead, but you have treated me as your last resort. You have devalued me and elevated idols above me. And I cry from heaven. And I ask my people, alas, where will you be stricken again? Verse five, as you continue in your rebellion, the whole head is sick. He will give us another image of a sick man. The whole heart is faint. NIV says, why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist, persist, persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. Have you ever watched a, one of those television programs, or you might be one of these people that's happened to you before, where someone is so numbed out on an intoxicant, like a drug or alcohol problem, that they could be beaten by the police, or they can get in a fight and literally have half their face hanging down And they are so numb from an intoxicant, they don't even know their own condition. Maybe that's been you before. Or maybe you've seen someone in that condition. They are so numb, they don't even realize their condition. They they can't even see themselves in the mirror and God's saying, you're like that man. You're like that man, he got beat up and he's bloodied from head to toe and he doesn't even realize his condition because he is so weighed down with his sins. Verse six, from the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds. 
not pressed out or bandaged nor softened with oil. The extent of the injuries is both radical and raw. And the person, for whatever reason, can't see it. Now, I'm going to step back for a moment and, and just, let's breathe. <sighs> Pastor Michael, this is heavy. Amen? It's not easy stuff. What do we do with this stuff? Well, we got to look at ourselves, no doubt. But in here, I want you to see something in verse 6. There's nothing sound. Look at the words. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds. It is interesting to note, and I picked this up from one commentary, that early on in this book, there is a connection to the coming Messiah. Israel's pitiful moral and spiritual condition is transferred to the suffering servant. In Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, the Hebrew words for stricken from verse 5, the word for sick or injured, and welts correspond to those for smitten, infirmities, and wounds. He would bear for them at the cross. In essence, God's saying every welt that I, that I picture in this imagery, every wound, every, every gaping sore that you carry because of sin, my son will endure with welts and bruises and wounds. And throughout the book of Isaiah, what we're going to see is sprinkled throughout a lot of heavy stuff is the hope of the coming Messiah. All throughout the book of Isaiah, what do we see? Prophecy after prophecy. Uh, he will be born of a virgin. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. And so even when we read this stuff, we have to understand that these wounds would be healed by his wounds. First Peter 2.20, we are what? Healed. And so though we can look at our own condition and lament it, and sometimes we can even lament our own uh, spiritual lives. We know that the Messiah came to heal us. But it is important for us to recognize as we sum up this message, at least the first part of chapter one, is you gotta know your condition before you can seek a doctor. That's why a lot of modern evangelists have said that Part of the problem with the modern culture of evangelism has been that when we preach the message of the gospel, people think that Jesus is simply life enhancement. So they can take or leave Jesus because basically if they try everything else and, and maybe they can add Jesus to their portfolio or give Jesus a whirl, uh, if it works out, great. And if not, they can take it or leave it. And a lot of modern has, evangelism has made Jesus more about life enhancement. Come to Jesus and you'll get peace and joy and all of that stuff. And while those are fringe benefits, certainly for a Christian, that is not the main issue of the reason that we come to God. We come to God certainly because he loves us. But we come to God because we have a problem. And our problem has been clearly identified in these first few verses. Our problem is sin. And ironically, it's a word that's being eradicated from much modern day preaching because you know why? It offends people. Because you're telling them they're sinners. Imagine walking around being the guy who was named the Lord saves, Isaiah. Everywhere you went, that's what you were known. Here he comes again, telling us Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. What does the name Jesus mean after all? Yahweh is salvation. And so this is the message that has become 
really unpopular to the culture. The culture would rather hear about how we can live good moral lives if we just follow the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Well, the Sermon on the Mount is probably one of the most penetrating uh, sermons about what sin really is and how we can't measure up. And that's why God sent the suffering servant, the Messiah. Amen? So if you are willing to stay the course in the next, uh, and there's 66 books, and we got through how many verses? What was that? Six, six verses? <laughs> so sometimes it's funny, as a pastor, sometimes you fight the temptation of you want to rush through so you can get to the next book. But we have to ask the question, why? Why? We've got plenty here <laughs> that we can chew on for a while. But what I do want to leave you with is the hope of the Messiah, that he was bruised for our iniquities. He was beaten. The chastisement for our sins was upon him, and by his stripes or wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We, uh, every one of us, have turned for, uh, to his own way. But the Lord laid on him, Jesus, what? the iniquity of us all. You've been listening to The Lord is Salvation, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 1, 1 through 6. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the bottom line of Isaiah 1, 1 through 6 is that Israel was weighed down with their iniquity. You know, sin is a heavy burden to carry. And, you know, if you're carrying sin right now, and, and maybe you would say, I've professed Christ, I've uh, raised my hand, I've been baptized publicly, but I'm still feeling weighed down by sin. That is not where the Lord wants you. But I can tell you, when I was a younger believer, I was there. I had come to Christ. I had come out of my life. I had tasted the new life. But there were things still weighing me down. And maybe that's you right now. How do you get those things off your back? Well, you repent of them. See, if you want them off your back, you got to get them out of your life. And this is where the Lord continues to deliver us. Now, he is our salvation. That's already done. It's been paid in full at the cross. But he's still in the process of saving us from this sinful world. So there is a already and a not yet of our salvation. And there's, all, there's also a third category, and that is what's happening right now. The Lord is saving us more and more, conforming us more and more into his image. And so my prayer for you, is that you will continue to experience his glorious saving hand. Not just being saved from your sin in terms of being born again, but being saved more and more. We often use the word sanctified, and that would be appropriate here. Get the sin out of your life, off of your back. You'll be more free to walk with him and please him. Now, we've been telling you about where we're at financially as Walk in Truth. We've come up to 31%. Uh, listener supported by our wonderful listening family. Radio airtime does cost money and we do pay for the airtime. And uh, this great station that you're listening to is partnering with us. And our partners are helping us with 
And this is something that you can do right now. If you're not a monthly partner, you can go to walkintruth.com and become a $20 a month partner. That really helps us a lot in reaching our goals and expanding this ministry. Perhaps you'd like to give a one-time end-of-the-year gift of, let's say, $100 or maybe 50 or maybe 200 whatever you can do. That will help us and it'll give us a boost going into 2022. Maybe you're a, a partner already of 5 or $10 a month and you'd like to bump it up a little bit. Uh, if the Lord's blessed you and you can give, then please do. And if increasing it is something that you can do, then that will help us to reach more people just like you. Now, the way you do this is you go to walkintruth.com, click on the donate button, walkintruth.com, donate. It's going to drop you down and you'll be able to see the different stations that uh, we are broadcasting on and click on that to let us know where you're listening so that we can continue there and perhaps uh, do more. I want to also let you know that I've just been alerted that we have, uh, I think it's something like, in addition to our radio something like 4,000 downloads a month of our messages just from our podcast listeners. So uh, to our podcast partners who don't listen on a given radio station, but you're listening nonetheless, thank you so much for your prayers and your support. We appreciate it deeply, and we want to do whatever the Lord would call us to do, wherever He wants the boundaries of this radio station, that's where we want to go, and He's mighty to do it. And so we're going to see you right here tomorrow as we deal with more of the Lord of Salvation in Isaiah chapter 1. We're excited about it. We'll see you right here. And join us tomorrow for part four of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 1 called The Lord is Salvation. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.